We've been talking for several weeks on the importance of your words, right? We've said a lot of things. Life and death is in the power of your tongue, right? We've talked about how that your words justify you or condemn you. And we've learned that we are to, Hebrews 10, 23, hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering because he's faithful who promised. And we start to see the word confession, profession, and what that word is in the Greek is the Greek word homo logeo. It literally means that we are to say the same thing that God says. So what does that mean, right? If he says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, then that's what I say. If he says I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, because we learned about God's words that they're enablements, then when I feel weak, I say, Father, I thank you that I'm strong in the Lord. Doesn't the Bible say when you're weak, you should say you're strong? Right? When you're poor, what are you to say? You're rich. Right? Why would you say that? Well, God said, God said, listen, Jesus was made poor. This is the New Testament scripture on the cross so that we through his poverty might be made rich. Well, what is rich? Well, that Greek word means a full and overflowing supply. Well, is that Bible? Absolutely. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want, right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. At one point in that 23rd Psalm, what does it say? He anoints my head with oil. My cup is half full. Nope, nope, nope. That might be first or second imaginations, but that's not the Bible, right? It says, no, my cup runs over. He's not not the God of just enough. He is El Shaddai, right? The God of more than enough. So whatever you need, he's more than enough. So let's dive into this again. We touched on Matthew chapter 12. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 12. I want to actually dive into it because we talked all about, and I want to encourage you guys, I think this is like message six. So we've been spending five five weeks before tonight on this. Go back and listen to those messages because your words are so important. You know, we looked at what the Bible says about God's words. Then we we talked about what, what the Bible says about our words. And now we're really talking about how to put this together. So last week we started talking about what is the language of faith, right? Because remember, we are the righteous. We are the justified ones, which means we've been declared righteous. Second Corinthians chapter five, right? You know that scripture? Right? He was made to be sin for us, who knew no sin, verse 21, right? That we might be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in him. So we've been made righteous. That means declared righteous. When you see the word justified in the New Testament, it's the word declared right. It means declared righteous. So, so now, we as the righteous children of God, we speak a certain language. The language of faith. It says the just, it doesn't say the just might live by faith, right? It says the just shall live by faith. The just shall walk by faith. We got saved through faith. 
We receive everything that God gave us by his grace, right? What is the grace of God? God doing for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. But we, we obtain these things through faith. So you must lay hold of everything God gave you by his grace. You obtain it through faith. And the only way faith comes is from hearing his words. Because his words, as we saw, are full of life. They're full of power. They're active. They're effective. The entrance or the opening of his word, it gives light. Right? It gives understanding to the simple, which literally means stupid. It gives us understanding. His word, the light that comes out of his word, is a lamp to our feet. And it's a light to our path. In other words, his word tells us where we are and it shows us where to go. Doesn't that make sense? See, we are children of the light. Well, what's the light? The light is the word of God. So light comes out of his word. It lights our path. We're not in darkness. It's not confusing, right? Could you imagine being in a room that just had all these, all these traps in it. Well, if we set traps all through this room and the light was on, so what? It was like, oh, there's a trap. I'm going to walk around it. But what if it was pitch black and you couldn't see anything? You might get caught in a trap. It's exactly the way life is. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death. Well, what is that? That's the earth. That's the world system. I fear no evil because you're with me, right? You lead me. You bless me. You anoint me. It's all him. So let's look at some of this now. Matthew chapter 12, because we're going to start to learn how we walk this out because your words are so important, so important. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. You guys ready? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. People don't know you in life by inward things. They know you by the fruit of your life, right? We are never to judge Another person, the only, there's only one person on this planet that you can judge. And you're actually encouraged in the Bible to judge that person. And it's you, right? But you were never to judge anybody else. Now, but we are told to judge fruit, right? You know, I, I had a gentleman come and, 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 and want to give me a word. Well, I've had several. And I always tell people, yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm ready. But before you do, just know that I don't play church. So I'm never going to judge you, but I am going to judge what you're saying by the word of God. And, and if it doesn't fit, I'm not, I'm not going to play church and go, oh yeah, brother, I received that. No, no, I'm not receiving it if I don't think it's from God, right? So, so that's the way we live. So when you, know, when you look at a person's life, there's what's fruit? That's the outward manifestation of, of and what, what's happening. And you're going to see this as we go through this. Everything is reflective. 
how you love God is revealed in how you love people. The people that you like, but really, it's really revealed in how you love those that maybe don't do you very well. Right? So, so you're saying, well, pastor, that's ridiculous. I can't love like that. Oh, you can if you're saved. Because, you know, when you were born again, the Holy Spirit, first thing he did, first miracle is he took out that spirit man that was dead and separated from God. Right? Second Thessalonians, or Second Corinthians 5, 17. We're a new creature, a new species, one that's never existed before. And then he put a new spirit in us, and then he took up eternal residency in us, and the first thing he did, in, in the book of Romans, it says he shed the love of God abroad in our heart. Your spirit man is saturated with the agape, unconditional love of God. It literally causes you to never consider yourself. So if you ever consider yourself, just realize that's really your flesh that you're allowing to operate. So let's look at that. Pastor, give me a break. I worked hard all day. Man, let's move on. So then Jesus, now Jesus is talking, and so he's talking to this group, and then he says, oh, generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? And then he makes this statement that is huge in verse Matthew 12, 34. We quote it a lot. It says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now we've got to look at this. Out of the abundance of the heart. It is a Greek, it's a, in the Greek it's a feminine noun. And it's the word, it, literally in the Greek, the Greek word is cardia. This word means the seat and the center of human life. You could translate it also, the seat and center of spiritual life. It also means the seat. Now it, it goes on as it explains this word. The Greek wording is amazing because it gives us a full picture. It literally means the seat of the desires, the feelings, the affections, the passions, the impulses. Are you starting to see that this word heart, it's talking about your soulish realm? Your passions, your desires. But now wait a minute, you have desires of your heart too, so it, it's talking about your spirit. Well now wait, pastor. Is it talking about my spirit or my soul? Yes. Because if you, if you look at the Bible, when you look at when it's talking about the heart, man, many times it's, it's just, it's really talking about the soulish realm. Right now, it's really talking about the soulish realm. But although when we teach, and we'll separate the, you know, man is a spirit, he possesses a soul, which is comprised of his mind, will, and emotions, and he lives in a body. We're a three-part being, right? Although we separate the soulish realm from the spirit to teach, they are an integrated system, right? So, but we learn that the mind is the control center, and this is the battleground. This is where Satan comes. Satan can't talk to your spirit. He can't touch your spirit at all. 
But so what does he do? He throws thoughts into your mind. So this is saying, out of the abundance of the heart, the cardia, it literally could be translated, out of the abundance of the thoughts and feelings of the mind, the soul, or the the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the thoughts and feelings of the mind, the mouth speaks. So, if the word of God is in abundance in your spirit, if you're meditating in the word, if it's first place, and it's in your heart, it's coming out of your mouth, as the word is in abundance in your heart, guess what's going to come out of your mouth? It's going to come out of your mouth because it's in abundance in your heart, which means... It's washing over your, your mind. It's going through your mind. And now, when, when something comes up, you're going to respond. You're technically responding out of your spirit, out of your renewed mind, out of your mouth. But if the word is not in abundance in your heart, you know, you're a good Christian and you read a chapter in the Bible whenever you feel like it once in a while then what happens is when you get pressed, what's going to happen? You're going to speak out of this, the flesh has a mind. You're going to speak out of your flesh through the unrenewed mind. Your flesh and your unrenewed mind is going to take your spirit captive and you're going to speak just like someone who would not know God. Right? So don't ever take it personal. Now, the reason why, you know, I'm well-versed in this, and I know as I'm preaching, you guys are too. Because we've all done that, right? I mean, have you ever literally just ministered to somebody, and you're just speaking the word of God, and then 10 minutes later, you're saying stupid stuff? Like, how this is just not working out. Right? Pastor, I'm just burnt out. Oh my gosh, can you please read your Bible? Spend some time with God. Duct tape your mouth, it'll do you well, right? Because you're you're sounding stupid here. Because burnout doesn't mean, I'm just doing so much for God. No, 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 no. Ministry's only hard when you're working and God's not working. Life is hard when you're working and God's not working, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, all of it, right? So this is what it's talking about. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So in other words, when the word of God is in abundance in your heart, it will come out of your mouth. You don't have to try to, it's not mechanical. It just comes out of your mouth, right? It's just... I love this story. I love the story. Uh, I can't remember who showed me this clip. It might have been Pastor Mark. Um, but it was Gonzaga beat this team at the buzzer. Was it? Yeah. And so, I mean, literally, UCLA scores. They have four seconds left. Gonzaga takes it out, and they throw it to this guy. He, he dribbles over the half-court line by about six feet and then just stops. Before anybody's guarding him, he just stops and shoots. And the ball banks and goes in. Everybody goes nuts. They win the game. And after the game, when they interviewed the coach, the coach is like, 
That surprised everybody watching TV. That surprised everybody at UCLA. But it didn't surprise anybody on our team because that was a planned play. And literally hundreds and hundreds of time, this player is our guy. He's, he shot that shot hundreds, maybe thousands of times. We knew as soon as he let go, it's going in. In the same way, if you'll meditate in the word day and night, when the enemy comes, you will have an it is written with revelation knowledge going off in your heart and it'll be coming out of your mouth. Head knowledge, if you, you know, memorize a scripture and it's just in your head, that's not going to do you any good because you get pressed and all of a sudden, if you respond out of your flesh, it's fear. You start talking to everybody, calling all your friends, man, let me talk to you about my mountain. But if you're in faith, you will, you will talk to your mountain. And you'll, you, won't, you won't talk, see, you won't even be running to God, talking to, your, talking to him about your mountain. You'll be running to your mountain, talking to the mountain about your God. It's, there's a difference, right? So it's not about knowing the word of God only. In order to know the word of God, you have to know the God of the word. Paul didn't say, I know, I know what I believe. He said, I know in whom I believe. See, because this isn't a mechanical, this isn't a, a rah-rah, you know, positive thinking seminar, buy my books and tapes, I'm going to teach you. No, no, this is relationship with the God of heaven. We don't want you to just think positively. Because if your ship is going down, guess what? You feeling good and being happy when your ship goes down, the ship is still going down. No, no, we're talking about thinking unlimited. Thinking like God thinks. Right? Like, I don't care what it looks like, the battle's already been won for me. I'll never face anything in my life that Jesus hasn't already handled. I am just here to stand and occupy and use the authority in the name of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will lead me, but I've got to speak his word. Right? What, this, is, this is why whatever you say with your mouth will end up controlling your life. For me, I didn't even know I was doing this. But I would walk around in high school, walk around growing up, walk around when I was in college, while I was in the ministry, in the corporate world. The predominant thing I would say is this world would be a better place if I was not born. Because there was a lie that was there. There was, there was, I, I just thought I was worthless. And man, when that lie got exposed to me and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not worthless, right? That, I, that, that doesn't come out of my mouth anymore. Why? Because what comes out of my mouth is I say about myself what God says. Why do I do that? Because I say about him what he says, and you, and you train yourself like that, that player. You know, in the NFL, have you ever seen these guys, man? They run down, they throw a pass, one hand, their foot is one inch or a half an inch inbounds and they catch it. And we all go, that's incredible. They're so athletic. You know, they work on that. Over and over and over, they work on those plays. In the same way, what do we do? We meditate in the word day and night. We don't seek God's right or left hand ever. 
The right and left hand of wisdom, the long, healthy life, the, right? the riches and honor. I don't seek things, I seek him. Because everything comes from him. Everything. In other words, spiritually mature people. Spiritual maturity in the Bible is defined not as flawless. It is defined, the Greek word many times used, means adjust and repair. See, if you're, if you're not growing You'll be out to lunch and you won't even see it and you don't even know you need to make a change. But man, if you will put God's word first, I mean, it's all of a sudden when you step in a wrong place or say something wrong, you'll be like, your spirit will go, what are you doing? And you, and you adjust and repair, right? So this is why you don't get down on yourself. God never gets down on you, but you make the adjustment. So spiritually mature people, they will choose their words. They'll measure their words by what? They choose them. Is this what God would say? They measure them. Is this how God would say it? Is this when? And then they speak with purpose. Not to communicate, but to release a divine law of God to change a circumstance or to minister to somebody or to change a life. That's why we're here. Isn't that good news? Guys, we, have been, we are people of purpose. God has a purpose for your life. So verse 35, Matthew 12, 35. It says it, now it's going on. It says a good man out of the good treasure of, his, of the heart. Now this word treasure in the Greek, it literally means deposit. So you could read it, a good man out of the good deposit of the heart brings forth good things. Do you see the progression? You deposit the right thing, and what comes out is right. Why is, why is what's coming out right? Because I already made a deposit. So do you see that progression? So in other words, no deposit, there's not going to be anything good coming out. So be excited about that. If you're sitting here going, man... I haven't been in the word. I'm a mess. Uh, rejoice. Because all you got to do is just make a decision. Amen. Satan will tell you, no, 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 no. You're so screwed up. It's going to take you years. That's all lies. Amen. You want to change your life? Just, you're going to see. Just start changing what you're hearing, which will change what you believe, which will change what you say, and you'll get a different result. And nothing can stop that. It's amazing. A good man out of the good treasure or deposit of the heart, the heart, again, this is the word cardia. Interesting. The good, the good deposit of the seat and center of human life, the seat of desires, feelings, affections, passions, and impulses of the mind. Out of the good treasure or good deposit of the thoughts and feelings of the mind brings forth good things. See, the mind is a control center. So what do you do? You deposit the word of God in your heart. How do you get the word of God in your heart? You've got to speak it. 
And as you speak it, what does meditating in the word mean? You mutter it. You say it over and over and over. Right? Father, I thank you that you redeemed me from the curse of the law. According to Deuteronomy 28, cancer, diabetes, arthritis is part of the curse of the law. And therefore, I'm redeemed from these things. And see, you say it over and over. You keep saying, it is written, I can do all things. I'm strong in the Lord, right? You always cause me to triumph. You always give me the victory. If I ask anything according to your will, you always hear me. And if I know you always hear me, I already know that I have what I've asked you for. Father, I thank you that all your promises are yes and unto me and amen, so be it unto me. Right? You keep saying that pretty soon. What happens is the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, he starts opening the word of God. See, he opens the word of God on the inside and now light comes out. And God, the Holy Spirit, Remember that scripture we went through. Your tongue is as of the pen of a ready writer. He will use your tongue to write God's word on your heart. So this is what it's talking about. So what happens now is I'm depositing. By speaking the word, it's being deposited in my heart. And then, see, when I get revelation knowledge of it, now my spirit sees it. And we'll start communicating that to my mind. See, a lot of people are going, well, gosh, I just don't know if this is the leading of the Lord or if this is me. Well, it's going to sound like you. Because the Holy Spirit, he communicates to your spirit. He doesn't communicate to your mind. Romans 8, 14, he bears witness with your spirit. Well, then what happens? Your spirit communicates that by a thought to your mind. But the difference is when that thought comes out of your spirit and it's the word, the Bible says in James that as you implant the word in your heart, it will bring wholeness and healing and health to your soulish realm. God will uproot those those detrimental thought processes, those things in your mind. This is why when you walk free from something, listen, You were already made free from it. If you're bound by something here tonight, I'm telling you in AD 30, AD 32, whatever it was, when Jesus came out of the grave, you were made free from it. Your spirit has no addictions. Your spirit has no problems. It is perfect. But the illusion of this bondage, the stronghold, the prison is still in your mind. And the word of God, though, coming out of your heart will go into your mind and it will literally, the Bible says it destroys the stronghold. It tears it down. So when you become free from something, you actually look at your, you look back and go, okay, I know, I know I did that. But it's as if it was not even me. You know why? Because it wasn't you. That, that's, that's why. See, you'll hear me say things like, listen, when God heals, he takes away the scar. 
Well, when did God heal you of that thing that you think you have this big scar in your life right now? When did he heal the scar? 2,000 years ago. But you just became aware of it. But when you become aware of it now, the Bible, what did, what did Jesus say to his disciples? Those ones, John 8, 31 and 32. Listen, you're my followers if you continue in my word. Because if you continue in it, you will know by experience the truth of my word. And the truth of my word will make you free. In other words, you'll see things as they really are. Wait a minute. I don't have to smoke anymore. I've been trying. My mom smoked. She started smoking at 13 years old. She became a Christian. I was four and a half. So my mom would have been 24 or no, four and a half. So she would have been about 24 years old. She smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. And so at 24 years old, she started going to a church. She's still smoking. Growing up, my mom thought she was the most horrible Christian in the world because she smoked. When I got a little of the word in me, I would say, Mom, where is it in the Bible that you're a bad Christian if you smoke? It's not in there. Yeah, but, but Tony, when we moved to California, man, I, rem I remember this. My mom goes to this church. I won't name the name of it. And this, this pastor meets with her. And she wants help. You know, she really wants to stop smoking. And the pastor said, well, in all of his, or I think it was a lady, in all of her wisdom, she said, you know, your problem is you have a spirit of rebellion. Man, are you kidding me? That really just blessed my mom so much. You know, you have a spirit of rebellion, and so you have to fast for 10 days and then the power of this will be broken off your life. So my mom is suffering. You know, because she's just like, man, I've got this. All she heard was, I got this spiritual, spirit of rebellion. So she's fasting. And I'm like, mom, get, give yourself a break. Do we work for anything? No. No, 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 no. Listen, you're gonna, you might lose a little weight. Now, at the time, my mom didn't need to lose any weight, so that's not a good thing. But I'm like, listen, where in the Bible does it say you're a born-again Christian has the spirit of rebellion, right? And so she fasted for 10 days, and guess what? She still smoked. <laughs> Years later, she woke up one day and said, wait a minute, I'm free from smoking. And she walked away from it. And she's just like, I mean, it really, she never really got it. Because she's like, why, well, I wonder what, the, what happened there. Because it's like, you know, because she dealt with worthlessness. So she felt like, I've got I've to earn everything. No, 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 no. He freely gives. See, this is Christianity. This isn't, hey, clean yourself up so you come to church. You know, there's people that I know, literally, uh, there was one guy, one guy, he, he played in a band. And so he was talking to this band member about coming to our church. This was years ago, years ago. And, 
And the other band member heard him and said, dude, if he comes to church, he will burst into flames. (laughs) But that's their thought about God. But God's always like what? Come exactly as you are. And you invite me into your life. And I'm so gracious and you'll walk with me. And then all of a sudden, you'll start noticing I'm making you like me. That's the way God is. God's not mad at you tonight. He's not condemning you tonight, right? How can he condemn you? So a good man out of the good treasure or deposit of the heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure or evil deposit brings forth evil things. So if you as a Christian have ever done anything that would be classified as evil, guess where that came from? You just deposited wrong things. But you don't have to do that. See, God wants you to live according to his word so that every door is shut and the wages of sin has no effect on you anymore. Look at what it says. In, now hold your finger there because we're going to keep going. I want to go through Matthew 12. But you can maybe throw it up on the screen. We're going to Proverbs 13 in verse 2. I want you to see this. Proverbs 13 in verse 2. Man, I could already tell. Have 18 pages of notes. We're not even going to be close. So that means you have to come back next week. Proverbs 13 verse 2. It says, A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth. Now you got to understand this. Does the apple tree's fruit, have you ever seen an apple tree eating the apples on the tree? If you have, okay, what kind of synthetic thing are you taking, right? Because I've never seen an apple tree eat apples, right? No, no, the the fruit on an apple tree or a pear tree is for others. But the Bible says you will eat good by the fruit of your mouth. So see, when you have good fruit coming out of your mouth, guess what your life is doing now? Your fruit is being enjoyed by other people. And you're actually, as you're ministering outward to others, guess what? As you're, as you're literally sowing into others, God is harvesting into you, and he'll see that you eat good. So see, here's the game. Whenever what Satan wants to do in your life is get you up to here with the cares of the world, so that you are just so concerned about yourself Because if you're only concerned about yourself, it hinders what he can do. Right? So let's keep going with this. But the soul of transgressors shall eat violence. Verse 3. He that keeps his mouth. Well, let's look at what, what this Hebrew word keep. He that keeps. This Hebrew word means he that watches over his mouth. He that controls his mouth. And he that guards his mouth. He who keeps or guards or watches over his mouth keeps his life. Wow. 
So do you want to keep your life? Then keep your mouth. Aren't you glad that you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to help you do that? He'll plant you in the local church where you're to be. He'll he'll bring friends into your life that are of like faith that will edify and build you up. Because guess what? Guys, we do all this together. We don't do this alone. Get alone long enough and you're going to start talking crazy. It's the way it always is, right? And, and, And that's why, if you'll notice around here, we don't have confession police. I've been in Word of Faith churches long enough. Have you ever seen them? They look at you. Well, now... Right? Now, I think this is great, but you got to be careful. Sometimes they come off really spiritual. Now, I, I have friends that say this that are very spiritual. But, you know, have you ever met somebody and the first thing out of their mouth is, you know, you're like, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. And within, within 30 seconds, they're telling you what you need to be saying. Right? Confession police. Hey, time out. Right? A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of transgressors shall eat violence. He that keeps, watches over, controls, and guards his mouth, keeps his life, watches over, controls, and guards his life. I'm telling you, you know, there's, 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 there's viruses that a lot of people are concerned about. As a Christian walking through this, Should we not keep in our mouth Psalm 91? No pestilence is coming near my dwelling place. Right? If you've had the COVID virus, I'm never getting it again. Right? No, it can't come near me anymore. I've I've learned. I I got, you know, Satan got me on that one, but you know what? I came out and I'm never doing dealing with that again. Right? Same thing. You get you go through cancer treatment or you're this or that. It's always the counterattack that gets people. No, forget the counterattack. God's your healer. So it says here, but he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. So let me expand on this a little bit. He that opens, this Hebrew word opens means to open one's mouth without control. He who opens his mouth without control It doesn't say might have destruction. It says he shall have destruction. So the good news to that is I can watch over and guard my mouth and I shall never have destruction. And here's the cool thing. See, in righteousness, the Bible says, will be established and no weapon, this is Isaiah 54, no weapon that's formed will prosper against us. And every tongue that rises against us in judgment, we can condemn that tongue. Guess what the number one tongue you need to condemn? Your own. Because we speak crazy stuff over ourselves sometimes. But if you've been speaking crazy stuff over yourself, it's okay. Just change. Father, I confess all this wrong speaking that's been contrary to your word. I don't believe it. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I curse all those words and command them to not produce anything in my life. And then you walk away and forget about it. Right? 
Proverbs 10:11, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. In other words, see, when you study salvation in the New Testament, salvation is always, it's the well. It's like a well. When it talks about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it talks about it's a river. And now in the Old Testament, it connects it. It says, the, the righteous, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. See, I draw out of my spirit what I say out of my mouth. That's what I want you to see tonight. So now let's jump back to Matthew chapter 12. You guys doing okay? Praise God. It says in verse 36, Matthew 12, 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. So let's break this down a little bit. Jesus speaking. So in other words, this is absolute truth. No possible way this is not coming to pass. Every idle word. So the word idle in the Greek is the word argos or argos. They probably debate how you say it. Who cares? Right? But it means every careless word. Here's what I really want you to see. It's a careless word. In other words, I'm speaking without thinking. Or I should say it correctly, I'm speaking without looking down on the inside of me. Right? It it also means, this is interesting, every useless word, but along the lines, it also means every lazy word. Lazy. The Bible says, in, in, in talking about the walk of faith, don't be lazy, don't be slothful. But be like those that through faith and patience inherit the promises. So don't get lazy. Listen, you got symptoms in your body. Don't start speaking how you feel. Don't get lazy and do that. You stay in the word. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You trust him and you speak to put a spiritual law in motion. This word also means, it gives you a picture here. This word, it means barren word. Or unprofitable word. Every idle word that men shall speak. So this Greek word gives us a picture of a word that is not at work. Okay? This person has chosen to speak a word like this. Okay, so now let's bring it all. What does this mean, idle word? It's a word that you speak... That you're not speaking to put something into action. You're just speaking. I'm so stupid. My back is killing me. My feet are killing me. I don't know what I'm going to do. These are all idle words. I'm not speaking them to put something in motion. Right? When you say that, man, my back is killing me. You don't want your back to kill you. Right? So God's word is telling us every idle word, this lazy speaking just without, see, when a Christian speaks, he is to speak because he has a purpose for speaking, right? When I'm talking to Pastor Edwin, I have a purpose. That purpose is to edify and build him up, 
Does that make sense? There's a purpose to these things. When you go to work tomorrow, you should speak with purpose. Don't ever talk, walk around. If you're working for a company, oh, this stupid company. Are you serious? No, no, you want your company to prosper, right? So, so you're a Christian. I can show you in the Bible where God will prosper your, I don't care if it's an ungodly company, he'll prosper an ungodly company because you're there. Literally. So we got to be careful. We speak with purpose. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account. So this word give means they will give back, they will give over, they will give up. This word means they will return or they will repay. It literally means to give or to do something necessary in fulfillment of an obligation. God's saying if you speak idle words, you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to do what? You're going to have to do something or give something necessary to fulfill an obligation. In other words, your idle words are going to bury you and you're going to have to dig yourself out. In other words, your idle words might cause you to have to pay a lot more medical bills than, you would, than, than God would want you to. Right? Or whatever. I mean, I, I'm not, this is not my opinion. You'll have to give account. This Greek word account is you're going to have to give a reason. It means something said. You're going to have to give a reason or an answer. In other words, you're going to have to speak something to counter that nonsense. Okay? And it says here you're going to have to give account thereof in the day of judgment. This is the day, this Greek word means a crisis, but here's the foundation. It means literally a separating, a separation, right? So all of a sudden, I'm speaking idle. Now get this, I, I could tell you guys, you, we're, we're, you're starting to see it a little bit. I'm speaking lazy words, I'm not speaking to put spiritual law in motion, I'm just speaking. You know, I just want to be real. You're being real carnal. And it will produce real death. And in order for you to come out of the real death that you're causing, you're going to have to really speak some countering words to overcome that. Do you see this? You're going to have to literally give an answer thereof in the day of judgment. This is the day of crisis. It's the day that all of a sudden you are separated from something, possibly separated from the covenant, the blessing of God, whatever. Could be separated from fellowship with God. You still have relationship, but he's unable to really do anything in your life, right? In this day of judgment, it's the day of accusation, Guess who is the accuser of the brethren when Satan's accusing you? So this is, I want you to get this picture. I'm walking through life. I'm not really in the word very much. God's really not number one. I'm just kind of living my life, doing my own thing. And, all, you know, and I'm saying all kinds of stuff. And you know, 
it doesn't seem like anything bad's happening to me. But then all of a sudden, boom, a situation comes up. And now, man, whether it be sickness, whether it be whatever it is, financial trouble, some things are working in my life to steal, kill, and destroy, I'm now in a day, what, what's going to start happening? The enemy's going to be accusing me. He'll be accusing me. Listen, it's over. You know, you know, you, you know the way you've been listening, the way you've been living. God's not going to hear you now. All of this is lies, right? Because God's already forgiven you. He's already there. He's ready to move. But you'll start being accused. You'll feel separated. You'll feel like you're 50,000 miles away from where you need to be when you're right where you need to be. You just need to change. You need to repent. All that means is you need to change your will, right? You need to change your purpose, change your direction, change your mind. You know what? I'm tired of beating my head against the wall. Father, I've been speaking stupid stuff. He's like, awesome. What do you want to do? I just confess that before you and let's go. Okay, let's go. And he'll start cleaning up your mess. But this is what this verse is saying. Jesus is saying this. Guys, if you don't watch what you say, it's going to bring junk in your life that's going to mess. And where does all this stuff mess go? It's all about in the battlefield of the mind. What are you going to do now? Do you see how there's no way out? But you're not looking at God, so there is no way out that you can see. But if even in the midst of that, if you'll choose to just put your eyes back in the word of God, where we're going tonight, I'm not going to get there, but when you look at the parable of the sower, it is the word of God that produces everything. What's going to get you out of your situation? Not you, not you being smart enough, not you being holy enough. No, it's going to be the word of God that you allow to work in your life. But the good news is God wants you out. He wants you free. He wants to hold you up to the world and say, look at how good I am. Right? To where people look at you and go, wow, dude, man. Everything you touch is blessed. And you're like, I know. It's amazing. And I don't deserve any of it. But he just loves me so much. And guess what? You could live this life too. This is for everybody. Right? How in the world are you so happy? I know what you're going through. Listen, I'm happy because I already know the answer. You might see me in the middle of a battle, but I know I've already won. Right? And you're going to see the victory. See, you could stand right in the middle when it looks like you've lost, and you could tell your people, the people that are around you, hey, it's okay. I'm good. I already have the victory. They'll tell you, man, no, that's one of those crazy Christians. Three months later, after you've come out supernaturally, they're like, hey, can I talk to you? Because, man, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a mess here. Right? Hey, I got here's something about God. He's no respecter of persons. What he did for me, he'll do for you. So let's keep going with this. Verse 37. Here's, now, here's Jesus making the point. We've talked a lot about it already. I believe we've, we, I've never really unpacked this the way I have tonight. So I hope this is helping you. But in Matthew 12, 37, it says this, For by your words you shall be justified. Remember, we've went through that a lot. 
By your words, you'll be justified. That means you will be pardoned and set free. Or by your words, you shall be condemned, sentenced and taken into captivity. Isn't it sad? Here's a Christian with all the authority that Jesus gave him, with all the power, with the very Holy Spirit of God in their heart, with the very word of God literally sitting in their house, probably multiple copies full of dust, right? Access on TV to some of the greatest teaching, all this stuff, and they're in captivity. You know, they say when they get a circus elephant, they get them when they're really young, and they will put this gigantic chain around them, and they will put this this big pole in the ground that's so deep, and this little baby elephant will pull and pull and pull and try to get free, and there's no way it could get free. But have you noticed when you go to a circus... Now, this is probably a long time ago because we haven't done anything like that for a while, right? You go to a circus and you see this massive elephant and he's just standing there and he's got a little piece of rope around his leg tied to just a little stick. He could easily just walk and just break it, but he no longer will try. But see, for you as a Christian to be held, if you feel like you're captive tonight, It is like you have a little piece of thread around you and all you got to do is go, no thank you, and tear it off and, and be free because you've already been made free. But this is how you do it. It's our words that justify us. So I'm going to finish with this. This will be the sixth time in this series that I've said these things. There is a connection between what you say and what you have in your life. Right? Remember day one? God says, as you speak, this is an oracle of God in numbers. This is an unending, never-ending law of God. As long as truly as I live, as you speak in my ears, so will I allow in your life. You go all the way to Mark chapter 11... You will have what you say. I mean, it's all through the Bible. The controlling factor in your life is not your boss. It's not any person. It's not anything. It is your words. You can change everything with your words. That's what God says. To change your life, in other words, you have to change what? Your words. Putting God's word in your heart is what causes you to value the words that you speak. If you don't put God's word in your heart, you won't even see the value. You'll think, oh, that teaching, that's just that name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, confess it, possess it bunch. That's a bunch of nonsense. Right? But you know, Kenneth Hagin didn't come up with that. Kenneth Copeland, we're not Haganites. 
We're not Copelandites. No, we're Jesus. We're Jesus's people. We're God's children. We are the church, right? Paul says he preached the word of faith. What is that? He knew if he preached the word, it would produce faith in the hearers. This is huge. Putting God's word in your heart, that is what will cause you to value your words. You want to speak better to your husband? You want to speak better to your wife? You want to speak better to your children? Do you, children, you want to speak better to your parents? Get God's word in your heart and it'll just revalue your words. It happens automatically. Don't try, don't leave here tonight and go, oh my gosh, to change my life, I gotta change my words. Okay, that's it. You know, tomorrow morning, I, I'm never going to say, by nine o'clock, you'll just be like, oh, here I go again. Right? No, no, let, let the word do it. Let the word do it. Well, I think that's enough for tonight. I hope this has blessed you. I know it's blessed me, so you can just be thankful for me. Praise God. You know, I love you guys. We're getting this. Have you noticed God's really... It, we always have a great environment in our church, but have you just noticed? There's the hunger levels growing, which is causing... It's attracting more people. Things are happening. I mean, with Sunday service, that second service, watching those, what, 11 kids... Was it like three, three youth and two adults get baptized? Man, we got young people that are just going, I want the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want to serve God all my life. We've got kids doing this stuff. And it's only the beginning. Why? You know, when we just get out of, see, what my job is, is just to stay out of God's way and let him be God. Right? And it's wonderful. So, so guys, I love you guys. This is a great ride and it's just going to keep getting better. 2021 is to be the best year of your life. Don't go by what's happening on the outside and think any different. You look at the word of God. Because God is on the move. There are things happening all over the world because there's things happening in us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, before we dismiss, I want to remind you, Friday night, we're going to have a time of corporate prayer. And this will be our second one again during this season. We're going to come... And we're going to really, what, I, what I'm looking for is for people to come to learn. I'm going to do a short teaching, not like tonight. Tonight, you know, 59 minutes and 48 seconds of preaching. No, about 20 minutes of teaching along the lines of prayer. And then we're going to pray for about 45 minutes. And just we're going to be led by the Spirit of God. The foundation of this is to pray for our church, the vision, the different ministries, the people in our church, to pray for our city and the surrounding regions, to pray for our state, our nation, to pray for revival in the world. In what order? We don't know. We're just going to let the Spirit of God stir us. So I want to encourage you, if you could come at 6.30 Friday night, we'll have a great time. And then Saturday morning, we have our men's ministry from 8 to 9.30. And then from 10 o'clock to 11.30, we have our women's ministry. And then uh, Sunday morning, obviously, we have our church services. So I want to encourage you. Invite some people to church. Get up tomorrow morning and just ask the Lord. Say, I'm available. Open a door to me to minister and love on people. See what he does with that. It'll be amazing. Amen.